So the first part of the series that we talked touched on was about inventory and getting perspective on 2011 as it was. What was it in your life as you take a good, honest look at it? What were some of the things that you knew you were missing it? You needed to inventory it and write it down. And we talked a little bit about that, about getting God's perspective on some of our shortcomings and our weaknesses. Then last week we talked about the fix to that was buying the treasure in the field. And in the field, Jesus, we talked a little bit about um, the pearl of great price and how when you buy the treasure, and the treasure is Jesus, when you buy the treasure, you have to buy the field. And we talked about in the field, there's crispy critters and varmints that want to bite you and hurt you, and, and there's also uh, manure and all kinds of things in the field. So when you buy Jesus, you also buy his church. And we talked a little bit about how uh, in the church, people get wounded. I don't know if you know that, but people do. Uh, people get hurt. And uh, oh, I'm doing a great job of selling church life today, aren't I? You know, uh, come on here, we're going to beat you up, you know. Uh, but but that's, 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 a, that's an honest part of it. But the treasure, Jesus, trumps that. And what we learned is the group life, getting connected, finding a place to grow, wherever God's called you in the city. Uh, church, Jesus, are one and the same. The church, you can't have Jesus without the church. And so there's a place for you to bloom. And if it's here, awesome. If it's somewhere else, awesome. We want you to grow in your spiritual journey, which brings us to part three. And this is the series finale. And uh, I'm just going to tell you straight up, this isn't the preachiest sermon I've ever preached. Uh, it's not the, I probably will not get a lot of hallelujahs and amens today. Uh, it, you know, when you have a steak, sometimes you get a little bristle in there. And it, it's like this, you know. Uh, some of that may be uh, today. Uh, there may be some things that you're like, eh, you know, come on, give me ease up. Here's what I'm going to do. Don't shoot me afterwards, okay? Just I'm asking you to have an open mind and take a look at this that from this perspective. My heart is not to condemn anybody. Amen? I'm asking for the Spirit, the Holy Spirit's conviction to, to, to deal with each of us in areas that we may be missing. And today's topic is one, while it, it, it may not get a lot of headlines, it may not be the, wow, that was a great three-point sermon. Here's what it is most important. It has to do with families. And families are the smallest unit of the church. And here's the, here's the deal. If we can equip families to win, culture wins. So it starts here. So for today, a little bit, I'm going to be the bad guy. A little bit, okay? Now, understand, therefore, there is now no condemnation in Christ, right? Here's, here's the deal I want to make with you. I have no desire to micromanage your life. None. I have enough problems managing my own life. So I, I don't want to tell you how to be a parent, but I do want to tell you what God's Word says about being a parent. And then I'd like to have a conversation and a dialogue about it. I want to have a conversation and a dialogue about how can, where, where are we winning, folks? Where are we winning in culture? Where are we not missing? Where are we missing it as parents? So I've asked Pastor Lori to come up and join me. Would you please give her a hand, please? We're going to have a Sunday conversation. I borrowed that from ESP. We're going to have a Sunday conversation about family life and some of the issues. Before we start, Pastor Lori, I want to read some of these statistics just for them to chew on. 
70 to 80 percent of high school seniors will abandon their faith within two to three years of graduation. That's all the trends, all the polls, everyone that does that research. Two, I mean, that's after two years. And the reality is to go to hear an atheist professor try to systematically debunk Christianity at its core, and our kids have not experienced God at that time, so they get deceived by this lie, okay? Uh, so that, that, that's a big deal. Number two, about two out of three people believe premarital sex is okay in America today. One out of four kids seriously contemplate suicide before high school graduation. One out of six cuts or injures themselves. 50% of high school seniors believe that Sodom and Gomorrah got married. Most Americans believe in God, but only 9% of born-again Christians believe the Bible to be the infallible word. Pastor Lori, how do you fix it? The best thing with our children is your story. Um, we talked about this a little bit last service of passing along your faith. And, and there's a million different methods that you can do it. We talked about not recommending the family. Right. We, I don't want to do that either. None of us want to do that. What's right for your family? Um, how do you walk along the way? How do you instill and pass on your um, faith to the next generation? Who's going to govern our country, make decisions about my social security? Meaning we have any? Okay. Uh, Deuteronomy 6. Let's put this up on the screen. I want to start with some scripture. Deuteronomy 6, verse 4. It says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your forehands, or on your hands. And by, now, first of all, I haven't done this, so full disclosure, I haven't actually put that on my, my uh, head yet, but uh, I haven't written them on the door frames of my houses, but I have engaged my kids. And what that scripture is talking about is, is talking about waiting for teachable moments. You know, there's moments in our kids' lives and in our lives that opens an opportunity to speak about God and help them engage their there is nothing more powerful than watching your eight-year-old child, who is at one time five years old, pray for another kid to see Jesus. There's nothing more precious to see your five-year-old kid dealing with a bully. How do, we, how do we deal with that? There's nothing more precious, though, in helping them overcome that and saying, where's God in that? And here's the worst part. If we're not careful, we'll blind ourselves to the busyness of life, and we won't hear what they're telling us. And then we'll wake up years ago, later, and go, I missed that. And I'm saying no condemnation. If you've missed it in any areas, teenagers, here's the message. Do not beat your parents up for missing it. They're human. We're human. But what I want to have today, Pastor Lord, is a conversation about learning those teachable moments, as, Dr., as the Deuteronomy said there, uh, keeping our eyes and ears with ears to hear and engage those kids. The first part of that scripture, Moses is talking, he says, hear all Israel. He's not just, he doesn't say, hear mom and dad. He says, hear all Israel. Um, we talked about this before, too. Is, um, you grandparents out there, the best thing you can do is, is pass on your story, where God showed up in your life, how you came to Christ. Um, what, what were some of your worries? Kids want to know that. I still remember a thousand stories that my grandma and grandpa told me. Um, when you go home to be with Jesus, when you pass, your story ends. That's it. So the stories you don't share, they, they go with you. 
I just think the best thing for our grandkids, your grandkids is that. Also, your college kids. Um, single. You can be the best aunt uncle ever, even if you're just going to get married or you're married. But that's some kids along the way and pour into their life. It just matters one or two. If everybody takes one or two and, and pass on your story to bear witness with the parents who are sharing their stories. Some of the things that, that you know, our culture is, is facing too, and we see it, you know, in the high school level too, but I mean, there's movies out called Friends with Benefits. You know what Friends with Benefits is? It has to do with sex. We just talked about sex. And we, by the way, we talked about sex in church. Everyone else is. Let's give them a healthy perspective of what sex actually is in God's way. That's why we want your kids and your teenagers in Catalyst on Wednesday nights. So we can talk about these issues. And guess what? They're hearing it in the hallways of their local high school. And you know what? The, the, the chatter is a lot more vulgar than whatever me saying the word sex in sanctuary. This is a big deal. Friends with benefits. I mean, what were you saying? I think last hour, there was one family, that their only requirement, to tell that story about the requirement for their child. Uh, the only requirement for their child um, to have sex um, was they had to be dating a girl for three months. And I'm talking about a 15-year-old boy, 16-year-old boy, 17-year-old boy. Um, they, they have to date the girl for three months, and they have to use protection. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. As parents, we talk about sex, and we talk about that in Catalyst. We talk about giving pieces of ourselves away, because you give away things that no, with that person that nobody else can. Not just the, don't have sex, you know, because we all don't have sex. But they're always asking the why. They're always the asking why. the why. Why, Pastor Lori? Why should I? You know, what, all my friends do it. Why shouldn't I? And I think, I think that's a that's a question that we as parents need to answer. Because they're not thinking through the, the sexually transmitted diseases that they're going to have. They're not thinking through the soul ties that they need to let go of and, and God will heal that. Listen, let me just can we just be real for just a second here? I slept with a lot of girls before I became a Christian. I got forgiveness for that. But I paid a price through it. And I will tell you that there are times looking at pornography. Now, we're being a little real here, but you know what? It's true. I mean, I was forgiven for what I did. But there was a consequence. I wrecked a lot of lives in the process, too. And so we don't think about that in the moment. And that's where and I, we're not, this whole conversation isn't about talking about sex. It's to say that we need authenticity in the body of Christ, to be able to talk about the taboo subjects that none of us want to talk about as parents. But the reality is the culture's talking about it, and they're skewed. And then our kids don't respond. Right. You know, when you talk, talk to them throughout the day or, or a situation comes up, um, they, you give them ammunition, and I don't mean an ammunition, but you give them something to base that with the truth. And we talked about the Word of God and the kids not knowing or um, the lack of biblical literacy um, for our, this generation coming up. When I was 14 years old, first of all, my parents did. Um, my dad, many of you know, was a, was a pastor of a large church in Houston years ago. He was, a, he was on staff there. And from age 1 to 14, I got a tremendous biblical knowledge. And I want to stress knowledge of the Bible. But it wasn't enough to carry me through when the storms of life came and I faced crucial decisions. The thing I didn't do, the thing that my parents, they would probably tell you now that they would love for me to do, is engage me in the moment when I had those opportunities for them to engage me and experience God. In essence, let's talk about this. For instance, my daughter is, was bullied, 
I engage her at the point of bullying now, so when she's 16, we, we've established a dialogue at age eight that we can have at age 16. If she's talking about a friend in her class that's, that's not nice, at age 16, we're having that same conversation when that guy with the slick car comes around, really slick hair, more hair than daddy, he comes around and he sweet talks her, and oh, you know, hello. I've engaged my daughter, and, and, and okay, here's, here's the next thing. When your when you're kids adults, or they're adults, and maybe, maybe you didn't do that, uh, don't beat yourself up over it anymore, but engage your kid if they're 50. How many understand that parenting never ends? And so uh, these are things that I want people to engage people in. And I say all this, here's what else I see. We're Twitter and Facebook to death. I mean, we are, we are the most connected we've ever been, and that's awesome. I love Facebook. I use it. We leverage it. We, we use Twitter. But here's what I also see. I see a generation that is not connected, Pastor Lori. They're, they're, they're talking on the Internet. They're hiding behind Facebook. But these kids aren't. They, their, their social interactions are, 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 are stunted. Would you agree? Is that what you're saying? Some of that? Uh, the lack of relationships that they're building, they air all the dirty laundry on Facebook or, or Twitter. We see a lot of information coming across. Um, a lot of things that they wouldn't say face-to-face -face. coming up. Um, I think there's a lack of the face-to-face -face conversation right. that kids um, aren't having to sit down and being able to talk through some of those tough things that they're facing um, all the time. So here's the why. why. Why, Pastor Ryan, do I need to be in church? Why do I need to you know, possibly look at catalysts? Here's, here's the deal. We get 40 hours a year, maybe, with your kids. That's They come 20, 30 times a year on Sundays. Uh, down in Club 252 Adventureland, the rest of you would be up here. You get 3,000 hours a year with each kid. Do the math. If I can get you to engage your kid and coach your kid, we all win. Amen? Society wins. We have these crucial conversations. So it, it's not always just, I'm going to sit down and I'm going to read my Bible. That's good, and we need to do that. But engage your kids to experience God and the issues of life. Here's another example. Uh, this was a couple weeks ago. I mentioned this in the first service. I got a little snappy with my eight-year-old. I said, I'm Marissa. This is, you know, I was frustrated. I had a bad day, you know. Somebody had 30 years worth of problems, and they asked me to fix them in three minutes, and the counselor said, well, that doesn't happen. You know, it just, it didn't. So I come home, I'm a little snappy. I've worked 60 hours a week or whatever, and, and you know, something's not right, and, and I snap at it. Well, first of all, it's completely wrong. Second of all, I needed to go to her and say, okay, Marissa, what Daddy just did was absolutely wrong. I ask you to forgive me. Oh, my gosh. It opened her up. I mean, she first of all, she thought, how could you do that? I mean, she, she sees me as Pastor Andrew now. She likes you know, different hats. But we had a wonderful conversation. See, I just modeled to her. I just helped her engage God because God is all about forgiveness. I just modeled forgiveness to her. And I modeled the words, I'm sorry, to her. And that's where I think, you know, sometimes uh, in the church life, if, if you're not learning how to forgive, if you don't have your kids in church, if you're not hearing this message, then our pride gets in the way. And we have these little issues that come up that are not being addressed in our lives. What you did is you dropped the barrier. Right. Um, she saw you as human that who makes mistakes. Right. And you dropped that barrier for her so when she can come to you. Um, and if something goes wrong, or she maybe made a wrong decision, she can also come to you. Let's put this verse here, Pastor Gloria. I want to talk about Proverbs 22, uh, 
verse 6. It says, uh, Proverbs 22, 6 says, Train a child in the way he should go, and when he's old, he will not turn from it. Let me read a couple of other translations, because I think it's interesting to get perspective. Uh, the Amplified Version says, Train up a child in the way he should go, and in keeping with his individual gift or bent, and when he is old, he will not depart from it, or she. Uh, here's the New Living Translation. It says, uh, direct your children on the right path, and when they're older, they will not leave it. And then the last one, I think this one's kind of cool too. The Message Bible says, point your kids in the right direction, and when they're old, they won't be lost. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Um, we're not asking to micromanage parents. We're not saying, we, no, no one up here is saying we do it all right. What we are saying is what we do right is we engage our kids. And we create margin in our lives to actually talk to our kids, to, to create that time where you have those God moments. And I'll tell you, sometimes I've come home at 7.30, we're doing our God time cards. Pastor Lori and the crew, they have these God time cards down there, and it help us to engage. They're phenomenal. I mean, it's why we believe in it. And we'll sit down, and I'm tired, and I'm thinking, oh, I just don't want to do this. I don't, I don't want to talk about God. I've been talking about God all day. And yet the Spirit of the Lord will hit me and say, you know, son, what you do with your kids today will impact generations. We need to think generationally, not in the immediate. Because our perspective is off. We, we, we are... Now here's my compassion for us side and, and where I, I need you to understand that I know where you're at. Man, we're, we're overworked, overtired. Businesses are asking us to do more with less. So something, and, and so we have our kids, you know, yeah, I want soccer, I want volleyball, I want, I want civic club, I want chess club. And I've got four, so I know I'm facing this. And you have four close together, so you're facing oh. it. Like, um, we have one who's wired, she's a 220, wired in a 110. So everything's so intense all the time. And if it isn't this, it's that, it's all the other things in, in and then the school recognizes that she has a leadership gift and she can re recruit a crew of people to help her. And, and so, oh, but they want me to do this. And then they, they want me to do that, Mom. I'm like, oh, I bet they do. I bet they really do want you. Um, what we had to do this last year is we had to say, wait a minute. We need to pause. We need to take a break. We need to look at where you're headed because what we're teaching you is to be a little bit good at everything. And we're not teaching you to, like, she's committed, she's committed, but she's running from one end to the other. Um, that at 7 o'clock in the morning, I want to strangle her because she's tired. She's tired, we're tired, and we're running in every direction. And in the end of the day, we had to look at what was important for her, for our family, and say, you know, what's going to take you to the next season? You know, what, what, and what is just fun for you? Um, and then X some things, several things. I don't think any parent wants to wake up one day and say, you know, we're not going to put God into our lives. I don't, I, I, I've, ne I've never met a parent in our church that, that intentionally wants to not give margin for, for the work of God and, and to talk about the things of God. Very few. I mean, there, maybe there's some, but what I think happens is we, we make a choice that, okay, we look at these athletes, and I covered them for 15 years, they're going to be professional stars, so I'm going to put them through all the paces here when the reality is one out of a gazillion makes it. And then that person, let me just tell you, 78% of NFL athletes five years after retirement, I, I was a reporter, I researched this, five years after, they're, they're gone, you're broke. 
Most of them, because they haven't learned life skills and tools to help say the word no to their posse and their people that are begging, the psycho fans that want but They didn't learn it in church. They didn't know how to say no in church because they weren't in church because they were too busy becoming a million-dollar athlete. Now, what about the other 999,000 that didn't make the, the superstar thing? Or maybe they made college. Here's what I found. Anything that's out of balance. If you're doing too much church, not good. I'm getting a little intense, but uh, I don't do too much church. I set my wife and I, 5.30 to 7.30, my wife, that's our finish line. Do not die between the eight hours of 5.30 and 7.30, because I'm not calling you. 7.31, I'm calling you, if you're dead, or not dead. Because, why? Because I've had fight after fight with my wife in ministry years ago, and I learned, you know, if, if we just have a finish line, I don't get invites with her over this. And you know what? She feels valued. My kids feel valued. I've made time. Downtime for discussion. And so I think this is my opinion. And this is, I'm going to step on toes. But your kid doesn't need to be excellent in five different sports. Uh, all at the same time to get a variety. Because here, and here's my generation. I'm 39. I think it was, and I'm not saying this is categorical, but at age 39, Looking back, a lot of my kids' generation were latchkey kids. Parents were out busy conquering the universe. So then my generation says, you know what? We're not going to do that. I'm going to make sure that I do everything for my kids. So we go to the opposite extreme, and then the kids become the God. Is there anybody in here that doesn't feel like they wouldn't go, you know, to almost to do anything for their kids? And, and so I'm with you. I feel the tension. I just want to have a dialogue about it and to say, if the Holy Spirit's talking to you about some of these things, we had to bring it up because uh, we're not saying you have to be in church every Sunday. I don't want to say that. I'm not saying that. I'm saying it'd be a great idea. But I am saying that when you create margin for God, your life and your kid's life first, he makes margin in every other area of your life. We have to get a biblical perspective on this. That's what they're saying in Deuteronomy 6. Um, and you're talking about church, um I'd like to take a step further. Talk a little bit more about relationships. Is building community with one another here? Um, the example is uh, our son, who's, um, you know, they get in those teenage years and we have a whole lot of fun with them. And, and he wants to go to Great America with his um, his friend. He's a young person, great. And his friend got his license. And, and we'll just call him Frank. And he wants to go to Great America with Frank and I think possibly stay overnight. We get in this discussion and I say, well, you're not going with Frank. I'm sorry. And he said, well, why can't I go with Frank? You know, we have our license, and, 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 and we'll be good. We're good kids and, and things like that. And I said, yeah, I said, I understand that. And then he said, well, could I go with um, Bob, Bob? And I said, sure, I think I'd let you go with Bob. Um, not right away, but down the road. Well, you won't let me go with Frank, but you'll let me go with Bob. And I said, here's why. Because I know Frank's morals. I know that Frank can have sex with his girlfriend after dating her three months. I know that. Um, but Bob, I know his, his moral standard, his compass is a little bit different than Frank's. Not that we don't love Frank, he's at our house all the time. Because um, our kids, they're going to mess up sometimes. They're going to make mistakes. And what Steve and I decided is we wanted people in their lives that would hopefully ground them, that would say, listen, listen, Bob, you always lead the way. You always say this, 
And you know, sometimes you get just tired and you're like, I'm going to get out of bed today. I don't want to do this. I am not doing this today. Our kids experience that sometimes too. And I just want to know that there's people in this life, 50% of the people in this life, that would challenge him or hold him accountable because they are going to make mistakes. And they are going to grow from those mistakes because we're not going to be there the whole time or to pick them up. So gauging those people around them. So for us, um, you know, the small groups, being involved in small groups, and we have them from birth all the way um, to, I think, you 110 here. I think there's small groups for everybody. So You're speaking um, to vision. You're, you're talking about, and I will say, can we talk about where we're winning? Because we are winning. I mean, we're seeing, uh, you know, we have buy-in from our kids' workers. I mean, I would like to have more. See, and I think, here's the thing. If I can get people to see the overall vision, if if we can begin to change while they're young, when they're older, society changes. And while we're in the fight, people are watching and they're going, gosh, there's that pastor up there again, beating that drum again about family life and making good choices and getting balance to your life and not running around with a chicken with head cut off and squawking here because Mr. and Mrs. Jones, who are broken up to their eyeballs and fights, you're looking at them saying, I want that, and they're on their way to divorce court. I want kids to have an engagement with their parents. And I think that we can do that as long as we're honest about where we're missing it. And I think the small group culture that we that is down there, you see it. I mean, the stories that you hear with the coaches downstairs, I mean, that's what it is. It's another voice saying the same thing you're saying, except they're going to listen to that coach because why? It's not you. What's happening amongst the small groups now of present fairly new youth group um, with small groups and um, what's happening, and I can speak personally to this to one of the groups, is the girls who are together now are from all different schools and their only connection is Kellis, is like church. And now they're like, they're talking, they're, they're Facebook messaging, hey, where were you last week? And, and we missed you last week. And they're, ch- they're building those relationships and it's just really cool to see that happening. And we're, we're going to close. But I, I want to say this too because you know, it's, it's a societal thing. We're overworked, we're, we're stressed out. Um, we have to get back to the basics. We have to get back to, and this is the clincher, and I, and I see why God wanted to end this series on perspective very clearly. It's all about prioritizing God and the kingdom of God. You said it, I think your son said it. What did he say? It was brilliant. He said, um, we used to schedule our... Um, activities around church. You know, we, we gauge what we were going to do depending on going to church. And he said, now what has happened is we schedule church around our activities. Yeah. And that's not to say, I'm not being legalistic and saying you could never miss a Sunday if you have a volleyball thing. I'm not saying that. I am saying if you miss eight straight weeks, Houston, we have a problem. Because here's why. Here's the why. Here's the why. Because I need you, you need me. You need church. You need to be a part of church culture. You need friends. You need to buy the treasure in the people. That's why. And when the chips are down, we'll be there. Your job won't. That's why. The treasure is in the field. I close with this. This is a story that touched my heart. I think it encapsulizes everything that we're trying to say. And let me just say, I apologize if I come across a little hard on this. I see the kids. I see the, I bleed for them. Okay. So I want you to give me grace, but I see the problem. And, I, and I, I know there's good people and great parents doing the best they can, single moms. I see it. I hurt for them. So I'm not saying that. To, to, no condemnation. 
I'm just wanting us to look at this. Here's the story. I read this and it just touched me. There was a little girl and she saw these little pearls. These little pearls. The price on the pearls was $2. The little girl had absolutely no money. And she looked at the pearls and said, I want those pearls. So she goes to her dad and she says, Daddy, I want those pearls. First thing in her mind. We heard again, what? Months go by. It's a tear going for She heard it. Just three months later, she's wearing her pearls. She says, Daddy, come here. You love your Yes, Daddy. You love your Yes. Oh, Daddy, I've got this wonderful water that you have. You also have a It's like she comes up. And he says, Honey, do you love me? He says, Of course. Give me a pearl. Daddy, I've got this pocket. Six months later, fear and trembling all over. She walks up to her pearls in hand, like this to her daddy. Daddy, I love you. He breaks down, starts crying. Pulls out from his back two thousand dollars. I say all that to say is that sometimes when we're in the busyness of life and we're in the midst of it, we miss a great price. We miss that that opportunity that God has something bigger and larger and better for you and that you don't have to run around frenzy. There's a pearl for you. We have to give it to him. That's Pastor Lord. Just to close your eyes and bow your head. Um, and I know there's so many things in life. We just, every one of us want to just get them right, get them perfect to whatever the, the world says. Um, I just want to pray over you. If you're here today, you think, oh my gosh, my, my plate is so full and I don't even know where to begin. I just want to pray for you. Um, or I'm a single mom and you have no idea how hard it is to be a single mom and, or a single dad and I don't have the help and the support that I need. I also want to pray for you. And then also, if you're someone here today, I mean, your kids are gone, and maybe your relationships are strained. Uh, maybe um, you don't even talk to them. Uh, they don't come around much, or you feel like you've really, really messed up. And, and, and I want to pray for you also that you would let that go. Um, nobody's asking you to be a perfect parent. Um, none of that. You know what's right for your family. Just pray that you're going to hear God's voice. And I'm just close now. Father, I just thank you for today. I thank you for the word you brought forth. Lord, I pray for that single mom or single dad, that single parent here, or maybe a grandparent that is raising kids. Um, Lord, I pray that you would send people into their life um, that would help and come alongside them, um, can help support that role, maybe an aunt, an uncle, somebody, or a grandparent, or just a friend down the street, just to help them navigate this in life, raising that child. Lord, I thank you, and uh, I just thank you for that work and that those people you're bringing forth. Lord, I pray for the parents who's sitting here today, and maybe they their kids don't talk to them, or 
or they're living somewhere else and they're doing things that maybe they shouldn't be doing. And, and that parent here today is beating themselves up. Lord, I pray over them that they would invite you into their quiet time and ask for forgiveness and forgive themselves. Um, Lord, that, that you would guide them to restoration because um, that's the God that you are. Um, to redeem these kids back, Lord. And Lord, I pray for the parent here who life is just spinning so far out of control and they're exhausted and their kids are exhausted and, and they're just not even quite sure what to navigate off their plate. Lord, I pray that they would turn to you and they would invite you even the activities, whether even be church, that they're involved in way too much or in school activities or community activities. Lord, I pray that you would um, show them um, what they should navigate. And Lord, we know that you have a plan and purpose for each one, every one of us here. And if a parent is here and they're not quite sure in making decisions, because maybe they should be in sports, uh, be involved in sports or music or whatever, that you would guide them and seeing the gifts in their children. We thank you for that. We thank you for the service. And we just thank you for being such a big God to us. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. And, and again, I want to say, we don't want to micromanage anybody's lives. We believe, kids, I also want to speak to the children, that you guys, I want to, I want to just say this, is give your parents a break. Give them a break. Give your parents a break. Because here's, here's the deal. They work very hard. And I, I, none of us, what I learned on the other side, oh yeah, Pastor Ryan really beat up the parents. Let me tell you, I also, my parents, I honor them. They were not perfect. But I give thanks for them, for their, for what they did for me. They gave birth to me. And we need to honor our parents. And so, uh, it's a two-way street. Children need to obey and honor and engage their parents. But fathers, we can't exasperate our kids. It's a two-way street. And that's where the engagement, that's where life happens, that's where God shows up. And that's my heart, so I hope you guys will see that.